Welcome to Down by the Bank, episode 39. This is Corey. Hey, what's up, guys? This is uh, JK3. Down by the Bank is sponsored by Brewers Pizza, Orange Park, and Clay County's only brew pub with Pinglehead Brewing Company on site. They are located at 14B Blanding Boulevard in Orange Park, Florida. Uh, you can reach them at brewerspizza.com, and we also share them quite a bit on our social media. And I think, JK3, you were just enjoying some Pinglehead uh, beer yesterday, right? Uh, yeah, man. Finished off the last little bit of uh, the Growler. So uh, it's good stuff. If you guys uh, haven't made it out to Brewers, um, they've got the shuffleboard and uh, some pretty cool pretty cool other uh, stuff in there. So definitely check them out. Well, awesome. We are actually joined by a special guest today, uh, Zach Goodall. Uh, hey, Zach, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me on. And also I'll note that uh, I haven't been to Brewers yet, most likely because I can't drink, but I'll definitely go out there for the shuffleboard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good point. Well, they do have pizza. They have delicious pizza options. So uh, keep that in mind. And we'll be sure to share their recent uh, menu creations because they actually put up like a thing every day with like new stuff that they're working on. And it seems like a pretty cool place. So, um, but yeah, Zach is, uh, you know, the Jaguars and NFL draft writer for Big Cat Country. He's also from the Keep Chopping Wood podcast and his own uh, branched out podcast now, 11 on 11. Uh, we'll post links on the episode description and on social media as well. And you can also follow Zach, who is definitely a must follow for any Jaguars fan on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, G-O-O-D-A-L-L on Twitter. We did have Zach on to chat a little bit about the NFL draft coming up on April 27th, um, kind of the next stage in the new, new, new era of the Jaguars. Um, specifically, we wanted to talk a little bit about pick four in the first round. Um, and again, follow Zach for sure when it comes to the draft stuff, because I mean, he puts a ridiculous amount of content out there. And I was going to ask you, like, you've been like interviewing, uh, some prospects lately, haven't you? Yeah, I've been able to talk to a couple of them. Um, I did a couple articles over at BCC just in the past year, even I got to work with Sean Gibson when he signed and did a couple things with him, including last year's draft. It was like, it's eight thirty. the Jags just selected Jalen Ramsey and I decided that I would shoot my shot, and I called up to Sean because I had his number for when I had last interviewed him, and I said, hey, I'm sure you being the new member of the secondary that you're in love with the Jalen Ramsey pick. You have 15 minutes so I can interview real quick. I was up till 2 o'clock that morning um, transcribing the interview from my phone to uh, the computer and had it out the next morning. So I've been able to work with him. Uh, I worked with George Kittle just the other night, who's a draft prospect, supposed to go day two, maybe early day three, tight end out of Iowa. I got to work with – Larry Ogunjobi out of Charlotte. He's kind of an under-the-radar guy because he went to Charlotte. and uh, But he's a defensive tackle that can play three technique, kind of like Malik uh, Jackson. He's a little smaller, but he's really a disruptor in both the run and the pass game. And I think he's going to end up being really good. But, yeah, it's been it's been a really cool process to start that out because my new podcast, it's not, like, heavily followed or anything yet. It's just got to give it some time and really work with it. But uh, still being able to get to work with some of these guys, uh, especially prospects that, they should they should be i guess they should be a little more busy but whenever they have free time they're finding time to work with me on my podcast and i think it's a really cool really something that i almost take for granted at this point like i think it's so cool when i look back on it and see wow these guys are about to get drafted but they're spending their precious time on me like that's awesome kind of uh, first and foremost you had a recent mock draft in march um which again i'll link up in the description of the podcast uh, and you had us going with Leonard Fournette. So uh, tell us a little bit about that, because I, I saw you made the uh, the Coughlin connection in that article. Oh, yeah. Um, I look at it differently, and I know we're going to talk about this later, kind of a who the Jaguars should take versus who they will. I think they're more likely to take Leonard Fournette just because 
they they did so much in free agency. Like the and the thing that they did before free agency is they pretty much admitted like, okay, so we realize that we aren't where we want to say we are. We don't want to tell uh, like we kind of realized that we've been telling the public like, oh, it's built, it's built, when it's very much not built, and we have a lot of work to do. And they proved that by going out and spending so much in free agency where they signed A.J. Bouye to play corner, Kalias Campbell at strong side defensive end, Barry Church at strong safety, as well as a couple other guys to be depth roles, or uh, Michael Rivera to play tight end. And that kind of made me think we really have no clue what they're going to do with the fourth pick. Like in previous years, like last year, we knew it would be pass rusher or cornerback. If Jalen Ramsey fell, like that should be a guarantee. The year before, we pretty much knew, like, even though some people were saying, oh, it's not going to be Fowler, we knew it was going to be an edge rusher. The year before, we knew it was pretty much knew it was going to be a quarterback, even though they weren't overly vocal about it. We knew that Chad Henney and Blaine Gabbert were not the future. In which case, like, we've just, we've had it narrowed down before, whereas this year, there's like six or seven possibilities, I think, once you, like, look at it as to, oh, they could take this with the fourth overall pick. But after all they did in free agency, I see Fournette being that, like, just being that guy because they didn't address running back. I personally don't view it as the biggest need, but if the team did all this work in free agency and still didn't upgrade at running back because it didn't seem to be that good last year, then Fournette might be the guy over Dalvin Cook simply because Fournette's stock hasn't fallen. It's actually risen a bit. Cook fell a bit after the combine. And Fournette, like you said, with um, the comparison I did with the Coughlin connection, um, I looked up some uh, data on mockdraftable.com, which is a really great website for the NFL draft and stuff to compare athleticism with other NFL players based on position. Hmm. And Leonard Fournette, when you look him up and you look at some of his combine results and it compares him to other players' combine results, I think he had like a 70% comparison rate to Brandon Jacobs. Wow. And Brandon wow. Jacobs was Coughlin's running back up in New York when they were winning Super Bowls. And uh, I mean, he was 6'4", I think 260 pounds. So he was a running back in a tight end body, but he was, you look at Fournette, and I mean, he's a big dude. He's not 6'4", 250, but he's still a big dude that's a real big bruiser running downfield and still has that breakaway speed like Brandon Jacobs. And they were they, they did test pretty similarly, And whereas I didn't see any Dalvin Cook comparisons to guys that um, Coughlin has worked before. So if they're going running back and they're going that early, I think they'll try and go for the home run pick at four with Leonard Fournette. And with that comparison to Brandon Jacobs, it almost makes too much sense. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, I, I agree with you in a sense that, you know, they're going to take somebody, you know, you got to take what's the, the best available player on, on the board at that time. And I agree with you what they're going to do versus what they should do. But, um, you know, with the running back class, you know, so deep and, uh, you know, I did a kind of like a, a mock draft with a Big Blue Nation uh, earlier last month. You know, I projected the Jags taking, you know, Jonathan Allen from Bama. Um, you know, something to just go ahead and, and, and bring that defensive lineup back to the glory days of the John Henderson, Marcus Stroud, uh, you know, type glory days. And, uh, you know, with the, the running back class as deep as it is right now, we could possibly could get, you know, a stud still in the second round, maybe third if we play the cards right. And if everything fell right, you know, what would you think about the uh, the Jags taking, you know, Jonathan Allen? I'm really happy that you brought that up because I would, that's what I was going to say in my what they should do later and I'll do a couple more rounds after that. But you look at Coughlin in the past, and you even look at Del Rio when he was here and still had that defensive line. Like It seems like there was just a complete abundance of dominant defensive linemen. And you saw that in New York, too, when Coughlin was the head coach there, and he had, uh, what, Justin Tuck, Jason Pierre-Paul, and all right. these other names I just, I, I'm blanking on right now. And even after Coughlin left, they still upgraded their defensive line. And they've got Olivier Vernon. They still have Pierre-Paul. They added Damon Harrison. Uh, they've got this 
consistently good pass rush and these beasts along their defensive line. And Calais Campbell, I mean, he's 31. The dude's coming off, I think, an 8.5 sack season. But he's, and he's a guy that can still put up those numbers. He might be able to hit double-digit sacks as long as he's got a lot of the interior pressure helping him as well. But you add a guy like Jonathan Allen, who I'm still very high on. I know people were kind of not impressed with his combine, his stock fell, but I don't think his, – his tape's there. And with defensive linemen, my friend Justice Mosqueda, who's on Twitter at Jumos, uh, he brought up this point to me because he studied edge rushers a lot. He said, if you're going to study a top-tier edge rusher in a class, you don't worry about their athleticism as much as, your t- as much as their tape. For some guys, you can even just throw away the athleticism part of it as long as their tape is really there, that they're such a fine mechanical player like Jonathan Allen. You really right. shouldn't be that worried about them. I yeah. love Jonathan Allen, the way he played. He's so mechanically clean. He's dominant. You add him to play strong side defensive end and kick inside every now and then so Kalias can play like, I don't know, 50-60% of snaps, not have to worry about getting hurt while he's aging, and suddenly you might have one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. I mean, I, I agree with that. I, I think a lot of people and a lot of, uh, you know, experts, I mean, that is their job, but they get so caught up in, you you know, what what players are doing against air, what players are running, what players are jumping, and they they forget that, you know, maybe the three – or four years of game film that they've had going up against other prospects and other top prospects that are in the same draft and they're doing the same, uh, you know, workouts, but all of that may go out of the, uh, go out of the window whenever somebody, you know, runs like a sub four, you know, four, uh, six forty or something like that, or this guy doesn't bench press two twenty five, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, you know, five more times than what he should, but on tape, the guy's eating in the backfield and literally just destroying opponents left and right. Yeah, and that's my thing with Allen. Like, people are so turned off by his five-second flat 40-yard dash. But they have to remember, like, I'm pretty sure he played offense when he came out of high school. And then he moved to linebacker when he got uh, to Alabama. And he weighed in at 260 as a freshman. Like, he was a fast, not obviously not the same, but he was a well-built um, outside linebacker. And they moved him to play both interior and outside defensive end and asked him to put on 30 pounds. Like, this year at the start of the year, he weighed 291. And he was able to get that down a little bit. So it's clear he can fluctuate. But at the same time, it takes time for you to really be able to catch up with your speed like that. Considering right. that he's put on 30 pounds in, I think, the past two to three years and ran a five-second flat, 40-yard dash for a defensive lineman, I don't think that that's really worrisome as people like to think. Because, like I said before, with athleticism for guys that are top-tier edge rushers or defensive linemen in general, like Jonathan Allen was on film, athleticism shouldn't be that big of a worry. And especially in his situation where he's been asked to put on so much weight, I'm really not concerned about that at all. Well, to kind of play and go in the complete, uh, let's just get weird, I guess, is the, is the way to say it, is you have a lot of people that, uh, a lot of fans, and I don't know if this is like real, you know, rumors or controversy or, or something that's actually being considered, but you have people that are saying that, you know, maybe the Jags should look at Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, as kind of a wild card pick for us to kind of, you know, maybe... Maybe Coughlin's not as in on Bortles as uh, Caldwell is, and maybe we'll go that direction. So, I mean, how realistic do you think that actually is that the Jags would actually consider taking another quarterback that high? See, it seems like every day I think about it, and every day it seems less and less unlikely. But at the same time, I try to keep myself sane and say, no, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I love Deshaun Watson, too. I know there's been questions with him, and some people – are saying, oh, he can only make one read or he throws too many interceptions. And I really don't think that's the case. I think he was just asked to make a lot of simple one reads at Clemson, but he's still a very smart player. 
and he's a risk taker as well. And a lot of those risks actually end up paying off. I did. I watched a. Um, I watched a film breakdown by Mark Stofield of. Uh, I believe it's inside the pylon and bleacher report. And he was breaking down all of Watson's interceptions. And when you really watch them and see whether it was just simply the ball was batted, but it was it wasn't on him, or a defender made a really good play, Deshaun Watson only threw like eight interceptions that were really on him this past year. Hmm. So I kind of think that if you really watch him, you see that it's not he's not this player that some people are trying to make a narrative for him to be. I really like him. If they took him, I'd think okay. I'm a UCF fan, and I still want to believe in Bortles, but if they're doing that, that they know something we don't, and they know that Bortles just simply will not be the future. However, I don't think that's – I just I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to take a quarterback day three to kind of push him and also keep Brandon Allen, my savior, around, but at the <laughs> same time, um, I think they're going to try and work with a day three quarterback but still give it to Bortles this year to just say, like, hey – we know you've been out in California. We know you've been working. We uh, we all saw that video of him, and it looked the throw looked ten times better than anything he did last year. Right. But I think they're going to give him the job to for now. Get that competition, just not as early. And next year, if if Bortles is bad next year, then they know they've got to go very early on in 2018. Well, and speaking of uh, Brandon Allen, and I posted this on social media too that we have now a lost episode that uh, we're going to be re-recording soon. But JK3 was throwing out some love for Brandon Allen. I think he wants him to start. So I don't know. I mean, I think uh, <laughs> thinking we got a fan on here. Yeah, I don't know about yeah, start, oh yeah, but a- definitely he needs to be throwing some. He needs to be getting some reps with the ones. I mean, bottom line against ones with Hearns and Robinson, Marquise Lee, and also. Um, you know, throwing against Jalen, uh, AJ Bouye now, um, and, and Telvin in, in some of the, those seven on seven drills. I mean, something's got to, you know, we got to put him in some type of, you know, uh, some type of fire and, and, you know, see how he comes out. Yeah, I agree. I was out at uh, training camp last year and he was throwing to all these guys that I couldn't tell you their names because I just didn't pay attention to them or they got cut. And he wasn't able to work with those guys. At the same time, when I like, when I watched his film, Coming out of Arkansas, and I broke down a little bit of it when we um, when we got past the draft last year, and then into his uh, game against Atlanta in the preseason. He's not a bad quarterback at all. He offers so much more than what Henny does because we all know what Henny is, and Henny's also just gotten older, so it's not like he can improve anymore. Whereas there's so much potential for Brandon Allen. I I'm not gonna say, hey, let's bench Bortles now and give Allen the job because I still want to believe in Bortles. I think there's so much more potential for him to be better than Allen. Right. But at the same time, like. You've got someone on the roster that can at least provide a little bit of competition. Instead, you're riding with Chad Henney. I would I would definitely say for training camp, and he's going to be a guy I keep my eye on at training camp too. When if I know Tom Coughlin's a little more strict with practices than Gus Bradley was, but um, if and when I'm out at training camp at mini camps, I'm going to be keeping my eyes on Brandon Allen to see like, okay, is he can he actually provide any sort of I guess fear for Bortles to make him think like, okay, there's a guy here that's kind of competent. Like they can throw him in at any time if I'm not doing well. And I think if there's ever a situation where Bortles looks like 2016 Bortles, then yeah, they might need to pull the trigger on Allen. I, I mean, he's never going to be the future of the franchise, but at the same time, I also do really like him a lot more than a lot of people. Yeah, do. So I'm glad that we have some Brandon Allen fans here. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, Zach. I'm pretty sure you said savior. So <laughs> okay, I, yeah, I, I do, I do call him my savior because I want to emphasize that. Okay, we should not be sleeping on him either. All right, <laughs> but like. Like I, I watched that game last year in the preseason, and I went back and I recorded gifts of all of them. I made a full blown article; it was like two thousand <laughs> yeah. words, strictly on how uh, on how Brandon Allen actually played well. And pretty much everyone just told me how much of a joke I was. 
So now, now it's a sensitive topic, but I do like to talk about Brandon Allen as long as I have a positive chance. Yeah. So uh, switching gears a little bit, you know, um, let's just say, and, and, and sticking along that wild card thing, let's just say, you know, the Jags, they don't, uh, you know, they take defensive line, um, you know, first round, maybe they go offensive line second round, not saying this would happen, but just, you know, for some fun, one of the names that I've been watching and, uh, you know, he's kind of gaining a little bit more steam, even though he's got some uh, off field issues, but with, uh, with Joe Mixon, uh, you know, what, what's your take on, you know, maybe, you know, maybe a second, third round pick on that. I mean, I think things have kind of worked out with uh, Kansas city and, uh, and, and Tyreek Hill. So I would hate to pass up on, you know, a game changing, uh, you know, athlete like that. If we, you know, definitely have a, a couple shots to take at him. Well, first, I'll just ask you both real quick, if you mind, if I um, give a little bit of a take on his off the field stuff as well. It's just something I'm kind of passionate with in general. And if not, I'll sure. that. I can sure. Yeah. That back to. yeah, go ahead. No, so, go ahead. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it kind of what I'm saying. I'll do at the end of the show what they will do versus what they should do. And it actually lines up pretty well. I don't think they will just simply because of Tom Coughlin being Tom Coughlin, the disciplinarian that we all know, the no BS guy that we all know from his time here and just in general, we win lunch. Like that's like how we question the reporter and say, what the hell are you talking about? We're trying to win lunch. Of course we want to win. Like you see a guy that's complete no BS and then you look at Joe Mixon and you know his past and that's where I'll kind of get personal with it. I have and even for someone my young age I probably shouldn't be divulging into social issues as I do but for some reason I just I do it's something that's kind of called to me and I look at Joe Mixon and I see someone that made whether it be well obviously it was a mistake but in his eyes was it a mistake I'm not sure but bottom line is he did something awful about two years Mm -hmm. ago almost three years ago and it took about two years to even apologize for it whether it be his lawyers that told him that or whether it just be that the fact that he decided not to do it. And even when he right. did it, it didn't seem, you know, full-hearted when he apologized about hitting that woman and breaking four bones in her face. There's also been a couple of other minor issues, whether those were things that we should be worried about or not. Like, apparently he took a ticket when an officer gave him a ticket and threw it back in his face in a parking lot. And it wasn't like a police officer, but it was like a parking officer or something like that. And Like a, like a Paul Bart? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it was a Paul Bart or not. That's why I say definitely don't. T- I don't take that nearly as serious as I did before. But the bottom line is, my thing with guys like Joe Mixon that have commit uh, committed battery or hitting a woman or something like that is, I will one hundred and ten percent give them a second chance if they earn it. So I see a guy like Ray Rice, and I know that he was pledging every penny he made if he returned to the NFL would go straight to charity to support domestic violence victims and to help them out. And he started giving back to charity and doing a lot of social work. And a guy like that, I see that and I think, okay, this guy deserves a, definitely a second chance. I saw Mike Vick after he did what he did with uh, dogs, and that was awful. Especially when I look down and see my own golden retriever right here and how happy he makes me, I think, okay, Mike Vick, you can burn in hell. And then right. I think about it and I see, okay, he now owns Humane Society Shelters he gives a lot of money back to just working with, and he's, 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 he's a direct like sponsor with the American Humane Society, consistently putting in work whenever he wasn't playing football just to be sure that dogs that have been abused are finding homes and being taken care of. And guys like Mike Vick, 
end up getting my second chance because I see that work. And of course, I'm not there to see it completely myself, but I do see them working. Sure. Whereas a guy like Joe Mixon, like I said before, how he didn't he didn't apologize for a while, and I just the red flags still seem there. I personally wouldn't draft him. I would take him as an undrafted free agent and immediately get him with the guys on my team that I know are the the leaders and the people that can encourage him to hey stay away from this kind of stuff. Sure. I just wouldn't spend the draft capital on him, even though completely just talent wise in general, he is special. Right. He really right. is. And if and if teams were to take him in the second round, I wouldn't scrutinize that either because they're getting a damn good player. I just don't see the Tom Coughlin doing that. Last year, yeah. with Dave Caldwell and Gus Bradley, and they think that they can turn him around. I could see that a lot more. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, you know. Between you know, uh, uh, he's getting a lot of uh, you know surge with his name, and you know, and also it just seems like every other week, you know, here comes a new guy that the Jags are going to take. First, it was uh, Jamal Adams, who, you know, could have been a lock at, uh, at, at free safety, or excuse me, at safety. And then, you know, we brought in uh, Barry Church. And, and now, you know, even though we, we we brought in the tight end of free agency as well, um, you know, O.J. Howard is, you know, now he's getting a lot of love. So, you know, in, in a couple of group chats that I have right now, it's it's in between O.J. Howard um, and, and Fournette on who the Jags are going to take at number four. Personally, I, I think they should go defensive line. But, you know, in, in your in your case and, you know, the research that you've done, uh, do you think the emergence of, like, Gronk, you know, Jordan Howard, and, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey, you know, make teams kind of look for that, that elite, you know, tight end talent, like, off the bat? I think it does. You see a guy like Gronk, and obviously, I, I don't even remember when Kelsey was drafted, but I know Gronk was drafted, I think, second round. And you see that talent, and you see, like, I know Gronk has had his injuries, but he still comes back from every injury he has and looks as dominant as he was before. I don't think anything's going to ever wear him down completely. And you see just that kind of threat that they pose in the passing game. O.J. Howard, although he was used more as a blocker and not always as a passing option at Alabama, still displayed freakish talent from both run blocking and being able to be playing in the pass game. Then he went to the Senior Bowl, and I talked to a lot of guys that were at the Senior Bowl, and they said they lined him out at receiver just to test his receiving skills, and he was right. not only the best tight end there, but he was the best receiver there. Wow. And so, honestly, I'm not sure how much Tom Coughlin values tight ends because he never seemed to go after big-name ones. Like, I don't think he kept Jeremy Shockey in New York after too long. Kyle Brady was the guy here for a while, but, I mean, it was never these big-name tight ends. But at the same time, if they took O.J. Howard at the fourth pick, I would like that a lot because that dude's going to be starting for 15 years and he's going to be dominant for 14 of them. Because the first three years, the rookie year, is always a little hard for tight ends. But he is a a talent. Yeah, I mean, especially you mentioned Gronk, uh, you know, coming off his surgeries, and then next thing you know, he's, you know, at WrestleMania. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't get too much into wrestling, but I saw, like, what, he, he just knocked someone down within three seconds of starting a fight or something like that last night? I think I saw that video clip. I mean, it's all it's all scripted, so who knows? He could have barely touched that guy. But, you know, the fact of the matter Maybe. is that, you know, Gronk is just, you know, he, he he's one of those type of players that requires double covers and still, you know, managed to get open and, and, and it's just unstoppable when it comes to, uh, you know, any type of goal line situation. Uh, any, I mean, I'll take away goal line. Put him in the first, you know, within 15 yards of the end zone and he's still unstoppable. You know, you can't stop the fade route. He can still run the slant. Um, you know, he's athletic enough, uh, you know, to, to create, 
those mismatches and uh, still be able to, uh, you know, maybe New England can also call in like a, a audible where they hand the ball off instead of you thinking you're going deep Gronk. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's there's I see that with Gronk so much, and then I see OJ too. And you watch his game at Alabama, especially even as a run blocker. Cause that, like I said, that's how they used him. And he might have been one of the best blockers on the field. And they have Cam, they have Cam Robinson there. And Cam Robinson's supposed to be a first round pick, either left or right tackle, wherever you put him. And OJ Howard was still such a dominant blocker. And then, like I said, with the Senior Bowl, like he was able to go out and look like a the best receiver out there. All in all, he's like you like you brought up with uh, the worth of the tight end as it's continually starting to rise again in the NFL. Because back ten years ago. It was what, like Tony Gonzalez, guys like that, uh, Dallas Clark, uh, right. Jason Witten when he was really young. Like, those guys were heavily valued. And there was, like, a little period of time where the tight end value just seemed to go down. Now it's coming back up, like you said, with Kelsey, with uh, with Gronk, and with those guys. It's really starting to go up. So if they view that they could really use a tight end in their offensive scheme with Matt, Nate Hackett and Doug Marone running the offense, I'd, I'd be cool with it. I'd like it. He's, he's a dominant player. Well, before we get into the the question I wanted to ask you about your uh, podcast that you're doing now, um, you'd mentioned kind of going through a little bit, you know, what you think or what you think the the team should do in the first three rounds at least versus what you think the team will actually do. Um, so tell us a little bit about that because I know, and I don't know how you find the time for this stuff because it's just crazy, but in all the research that you've done on this, what, how do you think it's going to play out? So I'll do the Jags and how I think they will do it first. I think they'll go Fournette because they didn't address running back, and I feel like they're going to view that as a need with um, Ivory being hurt last year and his fumbles and stuff, and T.J. Yeldon being, you know, we haven't we haven't gotten anything good out of T.J. Yeldon. Um, I think they'll go Fournette first round. Then I think they'll go offensive lineman in the second because still they'll feel like they addressed the uh, pass rusher with Clyde Campbell there. Uh, I think they'll go offensive line, whether it be forced lamp falling, which would be tremendous. I think he, there's been a lot of comps for him to Zach Martin, and it totally makes sense. Offensive line there. Then, honestly, I think before they go edge or anything like that, they could go Dalvin Tomlinson in the third round if he falls. Because we saw that they pretty aggressively pursued Don Terry Poe to play nose tackle and that kind of run-supporting guy, mm-hmm. and Avery Jones being the pass uh, rusher at nose tackle in the one shade. And Dalvin Tomlinson, that's exactly what he was at Alabama, too. He was able to play that run really well and then also be a pass rusher. So if they really wanted Don Terry Poe here to offer him $9 million for one year, I could see them taking Tomlinson if he's there to end up splitting snaps with um, with Avery Jones. And like we've said before, adding those adding those defensive linemen, you can never have enough. So then uh, if, you, if you were to have me do it, I'd take either Jonathan Allen or Solomon Thomas there. Like like we've been saying, you gotta add to that pass rush. Have it be as nasty as possible. Make it the best in the league. Like do do what you gotta do. Just make that pass rush so nasty that AJ Bouye, Jalen Ramsey, Sean Gibson, and Barry Church have to do literally zero work and still be effective back on the back. Then um, second round, I'd still probably say offensive linemen. They just they, they've got to find another guard and a lot of depth guys because that's one of that's been one of the biggest problems too. Like once someone gets hurt, like. That offensive line is already bad. You wouldn't think it'd get worse. It gets 10 times worse without any depth. <laughs> then um, third round, I would either say take tight end or take uh, another cornerback because they don't have any outside corners, like true outside guys outside of A.J. Bouye and Jalen Ramsey. So they're going to definitely need to target someone. Or um, maybe at that point take a running back. 
if Kareem Hunt's there or Dante Foreman, someone like that that can fall into the third round that you know has some tools to be successful, then maybe you can try and wing it on one. I'm not sure. Right. But, um, I yeah, I just see it a little different than maybe what they'll see it with taking a running back early. You know what's funny about the Jonathan Allen thing is JK3 actually did a uh, – he participated for – I think it was a Giants podcast – um, picking for the Jags at the fourth pick and like they recorded him and all this stuff. He went with Jonathan Allen. They uploaded that to YouTube. And I don't know if you ever read the comments on that JK3, but man, those people were ripping you on that. I mean, I, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, everyone has an opinion. And uh, if they, if they pull a Jonathan Allen, I'm literally going to go back on YouTube and find every one of those comments <laughs> and find their social media profiles. <laughs> I mean, and oh, spam them. <laughs> Like like we said earlier, with that athletic combine t- uh, testing and how people are kind of falling on it, I re- and I said this back even before his combine, he's going to get boasted by draft Twitter so much. <laughs> what happened last year with Bosa is that Bosa was so good that people were starting to say, like, oh, yeah, his floor is so high that he can't even improve when he gets to the NFL. And I'm thinking, if you can't improve when you get to the NFL and you're already this good, then I've got no problem with that. That's a good thing. Yeah. People are constantly right. looking on ways to make a prospect even better when they get there. But you get a guy like Bosa, who's already this completely like refined in technique pass rusher, who's clearly dominant, and that's when you can look at his college stats. First, you watch his tape, then you look at the stats, and you see, okay, you're getting what, like forty some sacks in three years from a guy, and you're questioning, like, should we take him because we don't know how much he can improve? I don't, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, man. I can't relate. Like, I take Bosa <laughs> in a second like that, right, and right. I think that's the same thing with Jonathan Allen. Like, he's he is so technical in the way he plays because Alabama's just got the all-star coaches that know how to coach a guy up to play defensive line and he's so clean with the way he does it and so dominant like there's that one sack and you don't think that a 300 pound guy is able to fly through the air like a flying squirrel against um I think it was Texas A&M or something like that when he came up the middle and just launched into the air and and sacked their quarterback Mm -hmm. yeah I remember that I will I will die on the Jonathan Allen Hill I think he could be great all right, well, we'll commit to it right now. If they do pick Jonathan Allen, we will seek out those commenters and we will cyber bully them, okay? <laughs> yeah, give me their app because I, w- I want to find them too. All right, so uh, <laughs> good good info. Just to kind of uh, wrap up a little bit, so the 11 on 11 podcast, kind of uh, tell us a little bit about what made you branch out uh, onto your own podcast like that. And then also the backstory on the probably weirdest looking logo in uh, <laughs> on iTunes. Oh, I knew that was coming. Um, so the 11 on 11 podcast, uh, I had a couple friends on uh, draft Twitter and we were thinking, cause yeah, I'm doing the keep chopping wood podcast, but I'm also, I know Ryan, Bo and Hank are really running that thing for uh, a lot of the information that they do. I do a lot of their recap shows and that's great too. Those are going really well. It's, it's just kind of dead right now with the season being over. Right. And I figured I'm going to have some time during this off season, not a ton of it with school work and all that. But at the same time, I want to be able to like just get out there and record a lot and do a lot of draft content, not just specifically on the Jaguars, but the whole the whole league in general. We've got big plans for it. Once we get to the summer and the draft's over, we're going to try and do a recap of all 32 teams in their off seasons in all different episodes. We're going to get a lot of guests on there, so uh, that'll be big. I think that's going to do us big favors. But all in all, I just saw the opportunity to kind of take advantage of the platform I was starting to grow on and. Uh, Really getting to, uh, a lot of stuff about the drafts, especially with cornerbacks. That's always been kind of my thing to scout that position. We've got, like we talked about earlier, we had some really good guests on with some uh, even college prospects. Really looked into those. There's a couple I'm still trying on. I've been trying to get Patrick Mahomes for I don't know how long. I've been in touch with his agent. He's just 
that dude's busy because of how high he's rising. But I'm still that's still that's still a work in progress. I'll be sure to let you guys know if that happens. But um, yeah, I just really wanted to get out there and get out a lot of draft content, and I felt like podcasting was the way to do it. And then with the 11 on 11 uh, picture itself, it's uh, to anyone that hasn't seen it yet, it's uh, 11 from Stranger Things with a football helmet on. I was talking to my bud, I was talking to my bud, Uncle Chaps from Barstool Sports, and I know that he's like the podcasting godfather. He's got like five podcasts, and he's great. He's got great names and great graphics for all of them. And I just reached out to him and I said, "Hey, buddy, I know you're really good with this kind of stuff. Can you give me an idea on what to do?" And he said, "I'll be back in five minutes." He goes through Twitter and sees that just recently everyone was comparing my senior pictures to me looking like Eleven from Stranger Things, and I saw the resemblance <laughs> too. Like I'm not even gonna lie. Like I saw I saw that straight up, and I agreed. And he came back and he said, "Oh my God, you need to do the Eleven on Eleven podcast." And I'm thinking like, okay, well, what? Because football is like Eleven versus Eleven, like Eleven people on the field for each team. And he's like, "No, Zach, shut up. You know what I'm talking about." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh." <laughs> oh, all right. No, I, I can I can run with that because it also it does uh, correlate to football. Right. But at the same time, like when me hosting my own podcast, I felt like that's perfect. Like being able and people, a lot of people were able to get the joke on Twitter. A lot of people like that because they, uh, I mean, Stranger Things was a hit. I'm ready for season two. Um, but yeah, so we saw that. I hit up one of my friends for, uh, who's really good at Photoshop because I'm not good at Photoshop at all, and he he was able to put that helmet on eleven, and from that point we were golden. Yeah. Well, the, the, for anybody else that doesn't know uh, Uncle Chaps, he probably pulled off the greatest troll in history when uh, his tweet made it to uh, ESPN <laughs> about Olivier Vernon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, funny. he's so good at that. <laughs> well, and Olivier I- Vernon signed in with the Jags for $75 million, <laughs> and then Schefter got that crying Jordan so good. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. That's funny. Yeah, well, the good thing too about the the name of your podcast is you do have some flexibility. So if like season two of Stranger Things is really bad, you can always just pretend like it's just eleven on eleven, like a regular football thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'll just have to change that graphic as quick as possible. I've <laughs> luckily got a couple backup options wait, uh, waiting for that. That's good. All right. Well, cool. Well, we appreciate mm-hmm. you uh, joining us. Uh, just remember, uh, Zach is available, and I'm sure everybody already knows who's listening to this podcast on uh, Big Cat Country. Uh, Keep Chopping Wood, another podcast, as well as 11 on 11, which we were just discussing. Uh, definitely give him a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, and we'll put all of that in the podcast description as well. Um, thanks, Zach. Appreciate you joining us. Zach Goodall, not to yep. be confused with Goodell. Oh, never. Please don't ever. <laughs> oh, <that's offensive. laughs> There's no relation there whatsoever. I hear that all the time, especially being in football. Just please, like, save yourself, like, the breath. Don't ask. I'm not related. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then, yeah, um, definitely check uh, check me out on Twitter. Check out uh, 11 on 11 podcast on iTunes. Give us some five-star reviews uh, as well as for Down by the Bank. Thank you guys for having me on. You guys are always great. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, no problem, man. Thanks. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, just remember, Down by the Bank is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and now we're on TuneIn as well. Uh, and uh, as Zach mentioned, definitely uh, – Give him a rating and review on iTunes for his show, and we'd love one as well. Uh, five stars preferably, and if you don't want to put five stars, just don't leave a review. That would be great too. Um, that's, so, that's, so, that's exactly how I view it. It's five stars only out here. Yep, yep, five stars only, and uh, hopefully nobody reports us to Apple because I think that's like a terms of service thing or something. But anyway, I'll edit that part out. Um, all right, uh, appreciate it, Zach, and uh, we will talk to you guys later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? 
What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.